You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. There is a place where time stands still, where nature is harsh and demanding, where only the quick and the strong and the deadly can survive. This place is no place for civilized man. All you've got to do now is pass the Australian culture test. Three simple questions, three correct answers, and you go through that doorway to the greatest little country in the world. Hello everyone, Annie here for Showreel, a look at the Australian moving image industry. Last week, the Federal Communications Minister, Paul Fletcher, announced that his government was abolishing the free-to-air quotas for children's television without any corresponding legislation for streamers or other adjustments. If you had been watching this space, you would already know that the free-to-air channels had long wanted to be released from any regulation relating to quotas of Australian-produced children's programs. But the LNP's free kick to the commercial TV sector has caused prominent producers in local children's television to ask questions about how this industry that exports to 180 countries and employs thousands of Australians will be able to weather this storm when the government has stranded the industry on a sand bank of unnuanced legislation. I spoke to David Gurney from Blue Rocket Productions for an understanding of the new policy and what it means to Australian children's television production. The Australian children's television production has been a cornerstone of the Australian industry and it employs thousands of uh, Australians and uh, it seems that last week the federal government literally appeared to be throwing the baby out with the bathwater with a policy change. Do you want to give us, my listeners, some understanding of what that policy change was? Uh, Most certainly. Um, The reforms um, include the removal of... um, a requirement for the free-to-air broadcasters to um, commission um, Australian children's programming. And um, there were a number of other changes as well, but most significantly what that means is that um, uh, seven, nine and ten networks are now under no obligation to commission any children's programming. and. Um, their commissioning fee was really um, one of the fundamental building blocks for securing international investment and putting the rest of the financing deal to make these productions possible. So when you remove the the broadcast commission, then that immediately unravels the the tax incentives that are all about creating employment for Australians. It um, then... Um, means that the productions are no longer eligible for state government investment. It puts the Australian producers in a position where the amount of money that's raised within Australia is too low for um, Australian producers to be able to participate in international co-productions where the minimum amount required to 
former co-production is usually about 30%. So in making this um, seemingly small change, it has actually um, pretty much collapsed the Australian children's television industry and that has impacted upon thousands of cast and crew and management and um, and all the um, ancillary companies that hang off the back of that, you know, the sound production and, and video editing companies and you know, musicians and composers, all of that has been um, impacted upon by this one transformation. It's fascinating, isn't it? And the ABC, which is the only other uh, com- possible commissioning outfit, has had... Uh, cuts, funding cuts, which means that they were unable to do new commissions for another two years. So this is another element, facet, to this uh, uh, vandalism. Well, the, the ABC um, is certainly not in a position with the, the level of funding that they get. They're not in a position to replace the three free-to-air broadcasters. Um, you know, the ABC does a great job with what they have, but they are... Um, not sufficiently funded, in my view, at least. Anyway, um, and um, and so yes, it has uh, it has created a very uh, difficult situation. And surprisingly, it's at the same time as the federal government announced um, a four hundred million dollar um, incentive for overseas productions to do their post production in Australia, which will benefit probably half a dozen companies. Um, but it's of a magnitude greater than what they're offering uh, the Australian industry. That's an extraordinary situation, really. Yeah. Um, was there any consultation? Were you surprised? Did you? There, did they talk to you guys? I think everybody. Um, uh, there, there was a broad industry consultation, and um, a great many people made submissions, including. Um, uh, you know, producers, distributors, um, the state government, um, screen agencies, all contributed to this, and um, pretty much um, had the same point of view. And those points of view were, for the most part, overlooked by Paul Fletcher. And I think everybody, when the announcement was made, were, were stunned um, that he had basically turned his back on the entire industry. So basically it was uh, not genuine consultation. It, it appears that the decision was already made. Um, well, we don't know, of course, but it, it, um, it certainly looks that way. And, you know, um, it's a great benefit, of course, to the free-to-air broadcasters. They've made no secret of the fact for years that, um, you know, they have wanted to get out of um, any responsibility to produce children's programming and, in fact, don't really want to be um, tied into any commitment for Australian programming at all. So um, that's not to say they won't commission any, but um, they um, really don't want to be told that they have to, I suppose. Yeah, uh, it's interesting because, uh, uh, as you've pointed out, that... um the your you as producers you deal in finance on a continuous basis so you know it's a relatively hard nosed area of uh, film um, development uh, you have to have the eye on the ball and and you've uh, maintained that uh, you have no 
problem with the idea that uh, uh, you have to be forward-looking and uh, understand that uh, children's content is going to be uh, uh, entering the on-demand um view on demand sort of platforms and the the federal government talks about things being market driven but interestingly enough the uh, children's production um, element of our industry has been slowly but surely built like a careful garden isn't it uh, hasn't it? It, it it didn't come overnight yes no it didn't it's taken taken a long time and it's taken concerted effort by business and government to to make that happen and um, and surprisingly um, you know uh, there's been no requirement placed upon the streaming services like Netflix and Disney plus and Amazon and Stan to and Apple for example to um, commission uh, any Australian programming and so we're now in a situation where basically the the outlets for um, programming in Australia have been all but closed, leaving you know an underfunded ABC is the only place to go, and effectively that means that you know Australians have one commissioning editor to talk to, um, and children have only one choice um, of places to go. And ABC has in the past done joint deals with the free-to-air broadcasters, which has enabled them to have. A wider choice of programming as well, and, and now that's not available to them either. So it, it is a, certainly a very difficult situation, and one that we're now trying to unpick and work out, you know, the best way to go forward. And Australian children's producers are the most successful in the film and television sector at um, uh, putting together international finance packages because. Kids television is a, is a global industry and we work with partners all over the world to make these shows happen. And, uh, you know, um, they, there is a requirement to kind of be culturally sensitive and to be internationally focused as well as um, focused on the Australian industry to make that happen. And... Um, and now, because of the changes to the framework, we're not able to participate in um, in that marketplace because we simply won't be able to raise enough funding within Australia to do that. So the entire export industry has collapsed as well. That's It's absolutely fascinating, isn't it? Because what's at stake is are so many things. So you, you export to 180 countries. Now, the this federal government's constantly talking about uh, jobs, they're talking about increasing our exports and increasing our brain, uh, our knowledge, you know, uh, knowledgeable jobs. So 180 countries you export to, uh, the uh, areas of production include live production, but also uh, animation and other kinds of uh, things of that sort, other formats. Now, that means that you're actually creating jobs for young, tech-savvy, creative Australians. Isn't that what they want? Yes, and the animation industry in particular is very, um, very technically um, advanced and uses all kinds of cloud technologies and 
needs to work with partners all over the world. And we've been doing that for a long time and it's very well sorted out. Um, and so uh, I think that, you know, the government talks about, um, you know, an, an economy being revived around manufacturing, but what we are actually doing is manufacturing. It's, you know, we're manufacturing content and there is no difference between that and manufacturing anything else. And, and you know, um, while we're not having sort of factories full of people sitting there screwing things together, we are assembling uh, programming. And, you know, in other parts of the world, um, media comprises a very large portion of uh, the GDP. So in the United States, for example, it's over 10%. And we could have that here um, if the government was to consider that what we're doing actually is manufacturing. Hi, um, my name's Maya Newell and I made a film called Gaby Baby and recently a film called In My Blood It Runs. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio. You are with Annie on Showreel. We are talking with producer David Gurney from Blue Rocket Productions about the federal government's announcement last week to abolish the free-to-air quotas for children's content, what it means to the local industry and Australia in general. Also, the uh, uh, production houses. Uh, so there's uh, quite a few production houses that have come out of the Australian uh, children's film, uh, television production. Um, and I w- since uh, COVID and I'm in Victoria, uh, I, you know, I watch the news and I flit around the uh, TV to see what's going on. And I've got to the point where I actually do watch the children's programs just to see what's going on there. And uh, there's an awful lot of American content uh, all over our television stations uh, free-to-air television stations, and actually it gets to a point where we're actually talking about Australian culture and identity, aren't we? We are, and that that is certainly part of it. And um, I think that it's extraordinary that we are kind of tied to the American economy and culture at a time particularly when... Um, I think we're on the verge of the collapse of the United States. Really, it's you know we're we're seeing what could be you know uh, the end of that entire thing as we know it, and um, and yet we seem to be you know tied to them very strongly through free trade agreements and other things that impact upon what we're doing. And you know one of the challenges with this particular thing is that by removing the subquotas there. Um, they're really um, challenged by the free trade agreement with the US to be able to re-implement them. So um, some really serious damage has been done and uh, and we have to try and find a way to remedy that very quickly. What do you uh, and your co- uh, compatriots want to have happen? What are you hoping to have happen? Oh, look, there are a number of, um, a number of changes that we need to make to the way um, productions of finance and 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 uh, what the federal government will consider as being eligible programming. Um, I won't bore your listeners with the details of that because it's really um, drilling down into some quite industry specific um, details. But um, I think that we probably don't have an opportunity to um, reinstate the free to air children's quotas. Um, but uh, we have the opportunity to perhaps 
bring the streaming services like Netflix and Disney and Amazon and Stan and so forth to the table um, to step up and, you know, and commission programming. And, you know, Amazon and Netflix and, and Disney um, do commission a lot of programming overseas, but they're, they're not doing that here. And um, we really we really should be seeing that, especially when they are, you know, taking such a, a big um, role in the Australian entertainment industry. The uh, You say that um, you don't want to bore our listeners with uh, the technical details. I've been fascinated by how um, complicated uh, a producer's world is uh, and uh, also how, like you were saying before, like there's building blocks, how many building blocks it takes in order to be able to finally get the uh, finances to get a production running. Um, I was wondering if uh, the government, the minister, Paul Fletcher, actually understands the complexity and nuances of uh, your industry. Oh, look, I'm sure the minister has a lot of other things to, to deal with as well. It's, you know... It, it is very complicated and, you know, even producers have to be constantly going back and, you know, refreshing their memories on the, the details of it. And, and, you know, for example, in putting together international productions, um, a lot of the financing is determined by um, how much work is done in each territory and, the, and there's been a sort of point system developed around that. So, for example... You might say if the director is from one country, that's worth one point, and if the composer is from another country, that's worth one point, and so forth. To make that extra complicated, they're not the same points value in each country. So then it ends up with this kind of um, bargaining between countries as to what is agreed as being the, the right number of points for this or that as well. So in addition to trying to raise the money, you're kind of... Uh, trying to match up the, you know, an, an agreed value of the creative work um, and the spend between each place. So that aspect alone is is very difficult, and um, you know, it does take some putting together. But you know, a, a producer's job is to solve complex problems, and and uh, that is really what it's all about. Now, at the moment, the announcement came out last week. Uh, how many uh, productions are going on at the moment and uh, will they come to the end of their uh, production based on previous financing and then how, how soon will this come into effect for uh, the business? Oh, look, um, I think everybody's staring down the barrel of, you know, sometime um, towards the end of this year or, or next year, the work dries up, you know, um, there's typically um, the free-to-air broadcasters between them would have commissioned maybe um, seven long-form series a year. And so once they, the, the ones that are in ex existing production now finish, um, that's it for those. Um, and each one of those shows will employ hundreds of people, hundreds. And, um, and you know, in addition to that, um, a lot of, 
work is done years and years in advance. So, you know, you might have a production that's running for a couple of years, but the production companies are planning years ahead of that. I mean, our company has, you know, a whole um, suite of um, projects in development for future work, which now is um, questionable because, um, you know, we're planning for what are we doing in two years, three years, five years' time, and you can't just click your fingers and have a show. It takes a long time to develop them, to finance them and put the deals together and get all of that in place. And so you start planning that stuff years out, you know. And, um, and so we're not just talking um, the existing shows. We're talking <laughs> there might be another 100 shows in planning that are now um, in a sort of state of suspended animation. Does that mean that... Um you know, if, if things don't uh, improve, does that mean that uh, people, and I know that with COVID that's probably, this question's moot, but does that mean that a lot of uh, Australian talent will just have to leave the country? I don't know about leave the country, but they might be looking for other forms of work, you know. Um, uh, I think that, um, you know, once we take this out of the mix, then... Um, yes, the impact on jobs will be very, very significant. I mean, even you know, in Tasmania, and we're you know we're a small production company down here, but when we do a show, there's probably you know 30 families hanging off these, and um, and you know, then what are we going to do with them? You know, we, we, these people still have to um, have a have a livelihood, um, so. Um, it's the same for every other producer in the country. You know, we have a a kind of cluster of um, staff and and um, you know subcontracting companies around us, and the productions keep those people employed. And uh, when you take take a production out of the mix, it's very very significant. And I know people don't talk much about the multiplier effect anymore, but it really is very significant, and particularly in a a regional economy like Tasmania, um, the multiplier is much higher than it would be, you know, in a perhaps a capital city. I mean, it's it's interesting because the whole area that you're in is entrepreneurial at the highest level because it's a bit like uh, it, you throw a stone and you walk towards it. A lot of it is about you know Rumpelstiltskin spinning straw into gold. Uh, um, this is the sort of stuff that uh, should be supported uh, by government uh, um, policy because uh, that's how it uh, uh, creates a fire. Uh, that's, I mean, the idea of, uh, you know, leaving things to the market-driven approach to the sector is probably being uh, willfully uh, uh, blind, I would say, from the government's point of view. Do you have a view on that? Well, I, I, I am, I am surprised. You know, the, the government appears to have a surprising indifference to the arts and screen sectors. You know, the fact that we have a minister for agriculture, but we don't have, really have, you know, an arts department, is is uh, is extraordinary. You know, we've got an office of the arts, but we don't have, uh, you know, a full department. And, um, you know, 
we've seen, as you know, a couple of months ago, the Melbourne Symphony Orchestra had to lay everybody off and, you know, not a word from the government about it. And, you know, you can't just click your fingers and get a first violinist. You know, putting an orchestra together is difficult. And certainly, um, and I can tell you that putting a, a production together is extremely difficult. And, and once you lose those people, it's very hard to get them back. And we have seen in the UK, for example, in 2003, the British government cancelled the quotas on children's television and 97% of the industry collapsed, including Cosgrove Hall, which was the UK's equivalent of Disney. They were the UK's oldest animation studio and came up with shows like Danger Mouse and they're just a fantastic thing and it's gone. And then about 15 years later, they went, oh gosh, this is a... Uh, this was a bit of a mistake and they're now trying to fix it but all that talent is gone all that legacy and experience is out of the business over there and you would think this government would have looked at that and gone well that was a bad idea but no we've done exactly the same thing here you know and um and uh, they don't seem to care at the moment at least anyway wrong people making the wrong decisions well, uh, we don't know you know we we, we have to kind of now backtrack on this and try and work out a, a way through it. Yeah, I guess that's what producers do. Like you said, work on hard uh, issues and uh, unravel for solutions. Well, um, if we don't, then nothing's going to happen, you know, and it will all go away, that's for sure. And, you know, from the Australian audience's point of view, it means children have less choice. ABC has less options for their own programming. It means that, you know, kids will be listening to more American programming and probably sounding more like Americans within the next five years. Yeah. Thanks for talking to me, David. Well, thanks for your time. That's it for us, Showreel, this week. It looks like we will be restricting our movements a little longer here in Melbourne during COVID, so keep safe and tune in next week. I've served a lot of masters throughout history. Now I want to go back home where I can be free. Then you come along with the opal in your hand. Now your every wish is my command. That's right. Genie, genie, from down under. Make my wish come true. Dream on. Genie, genie, from down under. Oh, yeah, all right, then. Genie from down under. Dad, we're free!
Here's the story, Sonny Jim. And I swear every word is true. listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.